Mr. Terry? Yes, sir. With us now is, is Jim Terry, who's not the Jim Terry that used to ride races. Though, you're probably skinny enough to ride races. I used to be. Yes, Mr. Terry is a, is a long, 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 long-time friend of mine that, uh, that's been a fan of the game and, and, and a player for how many years now? Uh, we've been in this game for a little bit over 40. Man, it, it, it's, <laughs> it makes you feel old, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. You're, you're my, between you and my dad, you guys are my resident Finger Lakes experts. You guys keep me attuned to, as to what's going on at the lakes. And uh, outside of a lot of $10 pick threes, it, it seems like uh, there's not a whole lot of horses up there, huh? No, there was 43 today in eight races after scratches. Man. But that's... there was bombs away in the beginning of the card. I stopped watching after the third race or so. I had some things to do. Yeah, well. You know, but bringing up Finger Lakes reminds me of where you and I started at Saratoga Harness as little teenagers. And you look at the opportunity they have today. they got no competition. They have no competition. Yeah, If they could true. get Gabe up there to speak out, you know, like he did with Pompano, Saratoga could be in the same position as Pompano today. You know, I, I talk all the time about Gabe, and, and uh, I'm like his, his number one fan. And I, I think that, like, what he did at Pompano was just amazing. And I think that it's undersold. And that every person, uh, they, they should do a, a case study. The University of Arizona Racetrack Program should do a case study on, on what they did there and how they went from handling $80,000 a night. 80000 a night. Correct. To to the last day, uh, $1.7 million. And it wasn't with purse increases because the purses still stink. It wasn't with good horses because the horses pretty much still stink. It wasn't with good drivers, drivers because most of the drivers, I mean, hell, they, some cards, had, a third of the cards are amateurs, and you can't tell the difference outside of, like, Wally and, you know, Dave Miller riding there. Dave the, Miller, you know, right. Driving this, this winter was, uh, you know, it, it was like, uh, you know, Joel Rosario showing up at uh, – a finger likes to ride. I mean, right. it was kind of a with between those two. It was kind of a, a mismatch of epic proportions. But um, you know, it just goes to show you that if you have a plan and if you understand your customer and if you understand how to set up betting menus and you understand um, the proper takeout levels. Um, and and I know he wasn't able to do something with everything, but the twelve percent pick four is is honestly really what got me playing Pompano a lot and. You know, drew me in because I said, "Well, there's a there, there's a pick four that, um, you know, was uh, you know, you figure you have a shot with a twelve percent pick four over the long how run." Many, how many states across the country do you think brought in having free programs and him promoting it on TVG and everything else that he did about that? Where these betters didn't even know where Pompano, they probably don't even know where Pompano is. No, the, the, there. you're you're so right about that because uh, I mean the Canadian tracks have been giving away programs for a while, but they were the first, you know they went wholesale this year on giving away programs uh, yep. on a daily basis, and a lot of tracks followed. And the fact of the matter was, because you're not having to print these things and you're not having that extra expense of having a lot of patrons on hand, where you're you know it's costing you a lot of money to print programs and they do print some at pompano um but you know you're they probably print 50 programs a night you know maybe in in that area because there's just not that many people at the at attending the races but right. you know most people are, are are betting through your phone through your you know adw through your computer at, at home and and you know the electronic uh program it, it's it's you know it doesn't really hardly cost them anything so you know, to get eyes on your program. And I've made bets at tracks because they've had free programs. Um, you know, not that it, you know, I wasn't betting 2000 a race or anything like that. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's not just me. There's other people out there, and you, it adds up. And, and you know, you, you get a free program. You start looking. Uh, like Scioto. When Scioto last year uh, was the first harness track back. And, uh, you know, Correct. Gabe was involved with that as well. Um, and they were giving away the programs. And I'd never bet Scioto in my life. 
And I started looking and, and, you know, started watching the races and following it. And, and yeah, it helped it. It was, it was how I got hooked on Woodbine. And, you know, Woodbine was the first one. They, if you remember, they came out with 20 cent, they did the 20 cent pick fours and pick fives up there. And they were getting $50,000 in the pool. Right. And everybody's saying, well, Saratoga Harness was getting 1200 in their pool. 50,000 to 1200. There was something wrong. Well, it was never about going down. It's like they did with the super effects. You destroyed it by making it a dime. You destroyed it. Yeah, If it that's was 20 true. cents, 20 cents was the right number. Woodbine found the right number. 10 cents was never a play. And then all of a sudden now you got 10 cent supers and, you know, everybody's saying, well, look at how low they're paying. Well, of course they are. They're a dime. Right. They're a dime and you can cover everything. In that. You can cover uh, everything. You know, you make a five horse box for $12. And you're, you're seeing that in thoroughbreds more and more and that, you know, you're, you're seeing short fields. So with a low minimum, you're covering so many that, that yeah, you're hitting, but you're not really making anything. And it, it makes it, it makes it tougher. It, it really does. It makes it tough to, to get, you know, decent prices, even, even with a low takeout. Like you said, when you can cover a, a million combinations and, and a lot of guys are out there and a lot of guys are following the advice of the people telling them from the track what to do. And their coverage is, you know, they're, they're using way too many horses they're not taking Correct. stands and and they're hitting but they're not making any money but um no uh, you know the free program the guy that gave the winner isn't gonna even bet himself yeah, yeah <laughs> i laugh true. about it every day but the free programs is something that like it's just hard to to argue against it uh because right. really how much uh how much revenue is a racetrack really deriving from program sales program. in this day and age it's not right. like we used to be when, even at the harness track, you remember we were kids. On a Saturday night, there'd be 10,000 people there. Right. We'd be sitting outside on the wooden bleachers. Right. I mean, now, you know. shut out. Now they'd be lucky if they were open fully. I don't know. Are they open? I don't even know That's if they're open right. fully. You know, they'd be lucky if they got 500 people. But it's a, it's a different world, you know. It's a different world. And uh, But, no, what Gabe did, and that crosses, it has really nothing to do with, uh, trotters or thoroughbreds, it, it, you know, it, it's about knowing the betters, about knowing the customers. And Correct. I mean, you know, I, I think you listened to the show last night and, and that was something, you know, a huge theme was that like, let's stop dumbing everything down. Let's stop making it where people Correct. just push a button and get their picks made for them because that doesn't really create anything, but, but, uh, um, uh, it doesn't really create anything. It, it just creates. What everybody in this business needs to do is what Gabe did. And Gabe treats it just like you and I would say, we are degenerates. Okay. Let's go to the degenerate. Stop thinking that CEO is something special because he's not. He, he, he is not. David O'Rourke doesn't give two shits what anybody out there in Belmont, in Naira or Belmont does on any given day. He cares about his million-dollar paycheck. Well, he's I mean, uh, I don't, I don't want to disparage Mr. O'Rourke personally because I don't know him well right. enough to I, say I, that. I, but, I understand what you're but, saying, but, but I, the point, you know, the point to be made though, is that they need to listen to those who understand their customers. And Correct. a lot of times, racetracks would rather try to to fit the customer's square peg into the racetrack's round hole. In the, they're they're trying to make them be what they want them to be or what they think they should be instead of what they actually are looking for. And I mean look at the success of some of the smaller tracks that uh, that have you know, have experimented in, in low takeout pick fours, pick fives, things like that. Like Canterbury's doing really good. Uh changing days, getting off of the big days. Look at how uh you know, one of the, the, the key things that Gabe did was was move off of Saturdays and Sundays, which have right. traditionally been big days for, for tracks. Um yeah. especially harness tracks. Because Friday nights, Saturday nights, those are, you know, the two biggest nights of uh, people go out and do things. But he, he wanted to get away from the Meadowlands and, and uh you know, who, who's you know, the big hundred pound gorilla in the, the standard bread signal. Um, you can't, you know, if you compete with them, you're probably going to lose. So he got off of those days and he made Sunday and Monday, the big days and Sunday, he was almost unopposed. Therefore, uh, they were on TVG. They got more exposure and all of a sudden people were betting more money and it's just things like that. And yeah, you're not going to be able to, to, to incorporate that at Naira or Churchill Downs or Gulfstream. Those those tracks aren't going to move days, you know, for instance, but, uh, you know, Golden Gate might, maybe Golden Gate should move days. Um, You know, earlier in the year, Laurel moved to Monday. 
um, and they've since moved back, I believe. But uh, you know, you know, there's there's ways of um, of trying to fit uh, and just going head and head. I mean, uh, Foner is an interesting kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, concept yeah, because because yeah. con, you know Foner did like so amazingly well when they were one of the only games left in the whole yeah, country. COVID. Yeah, um, exactly. And then they went back to weekends, and everybody was like, "Well, what the hell are they going back to weekends for?" And, you know, they did so well in the weekdays. But Foner is a track that that drives a lot of their revenue from on track uh, attendance. They get big crowds. They buy right. uh, food, beer, this and that. Fairmont Park is another one. Uh, well, it's called FanDuel now, but and, and it's off everyone's radar. I mean, believe me, hardly anyone bets there. Hardly anyone pays attention. But they drive a lot of their revenues from the locals from uh people showing up at the races and and they get decent crowds and things like that so not every track you know can just be like a cookie cutter model but i think trying to find you know the niche for every track and, and the players trying to make it um as player friendly as possible it just seems like a, a just, simple business concept the upper echelon in racing has no care for what makes the heart beat. In a lot of ways, that's true. In a lot yeah. of ways, it's true. They don't really, um, you know, they focus a lot on the graded stake races. They focus a lot on, the, you know, the Saturday cross-country pick four, the big, you know, carryovers. Um, but the fact of the matter is that the the Wednesdays and the Thursdays and the Fridays, those are probably, um, you know, as important as anything because, you know, the big days are great, but, um, there's only so many big days you can have, you know. And even the big days now are getting small fields because there's a lack of horses everywhere. Well, that that's something that I you know I, I had touched on before Chad came on, and, and with Chad Summers we talked about as well about, um, you know, the industry's got to really figure out where it, you know how, how it wants to deal with this problem. Um, I, I really it's a supply and demand problem, and the supply is just not there, and. We have to figure out how we can increase uh, the demand to buy, you know, to, to invest in horses, to get in horses, and you know, like you're you're not you don't work in the business, right? You're not you're not invested. You don't have to to, to bite your tongue. I mean, okay. think about like all the stuff that's going on the last six weeks or so. Like, would that make you more or less inclined to maybe get involved in a horse racing partnership or put your money into something like that? 100% less. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's where I say, you know, when I look at jockeys and the situation going on in Monmouth, those jockeys, their opinion does not matter to upper management. It doesn't matter. They're looked at as a degenerate, just like the guy walking in the door betting $2. And I'll give you an example. I just come out of corporate America, okay? And I'm not in corporate America no more, thank God. But as an upper manager in corporate America, our CEO came out with this plan during COVID. And he started out the conversation. Now you're talking $15 an hour warehouse workers that are sweating to death out there on 120, 130-degree warehouse in central Florida. And he starts out the conversation with, well, when I was out with my CEO buddies this weekend, I got up and walked out of the room. That was the end of the conversation. I don't care what your CEO buddy's got to say. I care about what these guys that are killing themselves out here have to say. And you know what? That's where racing is at. Yeah. That's where racing is at. And you know what? The jockeys, they matter. The trainers, they matter. The betters, they matter. What doesn't matter is those guys with the million-dollar salary. But you know what? Now, uh, look at... uh, you know, Fox now owns Naira Bats, and as all these corporations take over, I you know what? They only want that big game, the big game player. They don't care about Finger Lakes having forty three horses. You and I do, but you know what? They don't. Well, I mean, we've seen uh, we've seen a shift um, in racetracks uh, focus over the last twenty years. Where you know racetracks were just racetracks for forever. I mean, this is what their business was for the most part. And yeah, you know, some of them on the off season would 
that have weddings or they have flea markets and things like that. But we're not talking, you know, serious money. That was just money to, you know, keep, you know, generate a little bit of revenue. To do a little garden. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) But now, um, in in so many ways, uh, like like the Stronics, okay, the first bet, everything's first, you know, first this, first that. There's like yep. seven firsts. There's first technology, and there's first content, and there's first uh, development, and there's first this and that. And racing is only one part of it. And uh, Churchill Downs, I mean, what better example of uh, you know of, of of corporate profits being far more important than growing the racing game than than Churchill? And um, right, it's it's you know they're they don't care. I mean, to be at Arlington Park and to see the the you know the the amazing facility and and thirty oh, years later the, the thing was built in like nineteen eighty six nineteen eighty seven and 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 no honestly you brought that, if you brought someone to that place and and you told them that track was built five years ago they wouldn't have it they would say yeah it looks like it's been built five years ago I mean it's it's a one of the most amazing racetracks in in the whole world Absolutely. and to think they're gonna they're gonna bury it because they bought into some shitty casino. 30 minutes Arlington away. Park. It's crazy. Arlington Park, that is the one place every horse player could have played at least once in their life. It is just the most beautiful state in the U.S. You know, it reminds me of the way things will be set up over in Hong Kong and places like that. You know what I mean? Where it was just a palace. Yeah. And it's a great It's a great crowd. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great place to watch the races. You can see everything. The sight lines are great. Um, you know... It's just, uh, it's a shame. I mean, there's no other way of, and, and, you know, like you talk to the people there and it's, it's, uh, a resignation at this point. And I wrote a piece and and I'll, I'll put it out later today, um, about Arlington and about, you know, kind of what's going on there. And I mean, it doesn't break any new real, no, you know, new ground or anything. It's just kind of my feeling about being there and, I was there for a couple summers in 2010 and 11. Uh, right. I think 10, 11, 9 and 10. And I, I really enjoyed myself. And I didn't really particularly love the poly track, but uh, I had a really good owner. He had a lot of horses, and, and that's where he lived. And he wanted to race there. And, and I said, I'll give it a shot. you know. And, and we really enjoyed being there. Um, it was a friendly place. Uh, the competition was, you know, the races were competitive. Um if you had a good horse, you could win a race. If you if you you know you ran a horse, it wasn't that great. You're probably not going to win. The turf is, is of course an amazing turf course. Uh, the you know the backsides it's it's not you know it's not a palace like the front side, but uh, it, it was workable and um, it just is a really nice place and, and one of the biggest uh, you know sports crazy towns in America. And then to think that you know we're going to be down to Hawthorne right. and that's it. Um, that, that's really, you know, there's if no that more. That doesn't scare the hell out of every horseman in the country. They've never been there. There's, there's no more racing in Boston. There's, there, you know, Chicago racing is <laughs> down to <laughs> one track. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's in our lifetimes, we've lost Rockingham. We've lost Garden State. We've lost Suffolk. We're going to lose Arlington. We've lost Hollywood Park. We lost Bay Meadows. We lost Calder. Um, Garden State, Atlantic City, you know, these are like Sportsman's Park, uh, and these are just off the Greenwood, off the top of my head, Roosevelt Raceway. Over there in Powell. (laughs) Green Mountain, yeah. Green Mountain was kind of, Green Mountain was a dog track with leather, as as young as I was, I don't remember it being anything but a dog track, but, um, but but, you know, just all the, all the ones we just rattled off, I mean. Right. It's, and, no, and nobody, nobody wants to change. Yeah. Nobody sees it. You know, you look ahead. You look out um, at Northfield. How ahead of the curve were they to maintain the business that they've maintained? Because back in the day, they hoard out their signal to everybody. Everybody hated them for doing it. But you know what? They've maintained. And there's another place like Papano that just isn't, you know, I what what is at Northfield? You know what I mean. They don't have a you know a driver out there that could be competitive at the Meadowlands or maybe up at Woodbine if you know he's got the right horse. But yet they're still handling you know good numbers. Yeah, Northfield so, does. Northfield does well, and I mean, believe me, I, I don't. 
I can't I can't win at that place. I, I, I think racing needs to look at the past performance. Home, home of the flying turns, Northfield Park. The flying turns. Yep. If we can date it back to when we were kids and go back to the Saratoga harness days, <sighs> when we would go to you, at the end of the Saratoga flat track, everybody say the Anita race, and you'd have five six thousand people staying late to bet that one Santa Anita race. Yeah. Oh, one. That was the one. Game. Remember that we'd simulcast. We get we we, you know, we would get one race from a track, and that, that's the other thing. The people uh, these days, you know, people that are just getting involved in the game in the last few years, that they don't even realize that, like, not only did we not have full card simulcasting from other places, you know, uh, when when they started, we get we would get one race from a track. <laughs> yeah, that was that was you know that was years in. Yeah, they, they don't recall the days of betting the alphabet at OTB without a TV screen even <laughs> on the place. You're lucky to get a race call. You'd go out to the car to listen to the race call on the radio because you had knuckleheads in there just yelling and screaming. Um, and there was no, you know, I love your story on the, you know, the guy with <laughs> inquiry. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy at the OTB when when we didn't have video of the race, but he was he was complaining about the takedown. <laughs> The horse, the horse didn't do anything. He said. I mean, that was just what it was like growing up back then. Racing is in such a different place, and the world has evolved around racing, and racing just hasn't latched on. And no. you know, I varies on to something with the ethnic uh, ethnic groups. You, you got an empty track. What does it hurt to have a special day for each ethnic group? Shea Stadium does it for the Italians with baseball. You know, and then they get Anthony Rodriguez and go out there and throw a first pitch. I, I just, I get it. I, I think you're 100% you know, right. I, I really do. I think that there's so many ideas out there. And, um, you know, instead of just uh, serving us up the same, uh, you know, the same, the same ham sandwich. It, it, right. Empty grandstands. Empty grandstands, no matter where you go. Know, right? You know, if I'm in Tampa or if I'm in uh, Gulf Stream, the grandstands are empty. I, I said that about the the Caribbean Classic at Gulf Stream. I mean, I was shocked. Right. The first Caribbean yeah. Classic they had at Gulf Stream, I, I was, I got there about one thirty. There wasn't parking within a mile of the track. The place was more packed than it would be on right. Florida Derby Day, and I was like, I didn't even understand that the you know that the, that community was so into into horse racing and and that event that. Uh, you know, it, it opens your eyes because you know we all have our own little spheres of influence and in, in our own little worlds that we live in, and and right. uh, you know it's hard to to see uh, to know every everyone else's uh, you know different communities and uh, the way, you know the way and this and down that. here in South Florida, I mean to not and and they do a lot. Listen, South uh, Gulfstream does have a Spanish language um, kind of a, you know the same show as they have on the the. The English-speaking language they have, and the Spanish-speaking language they have right. race calls in Spanish, and and of course yep. you know this this is an easy demographic down here, but um, same it, as I have in Orlando it, or there is yeah, Orlando. It, it's it's something that uh, you know opened my eyes a lot, and 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 it you know kind of like something where you learn about uh, another community and another um, ethnic group that uh, and their interest, and and the fact is that. In the Latin community, racing is really big, and remember, sure. most of the, most of the better are. jockeys are are, <laughs> yeah. are are um are Latin and Spanish speaking. So it's a natural, um, you know, it's a natural market to try to develop. And uh, I I don't know that we do enough. I don't know no, that we do enough. Absolutely, because here's how many times did it take for you to go to the track before you loved the game? Once exactly. the first time you walked in, you were hooked. Yep. You know what? You get these people to walk into the track one time, you might hook 10, 20, maybe 20%. That, that's, but that you got to get them there. You know what? You're so right about that. because, And that's something that um, I've said so many like so many times on this show is that um, you have to get people. Yeah, exposure to live racing is really the best way to catch people. That Absolutely. it's so much more difficult um, to to get people involved and interested on TV, and once they're into it and they're hooked on it, then it's a different story. But that 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 first, um, the, just the whole concept of the paddock area, the saddling the horses, going in circle, the jockeys, the different colors, uh, you know, the silks, 
uh, the odds, the change. It's, it's just like a world unto itself. And, you know, you introduce people to that world and uh, a lot of them are really fascinated by it. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the best way. So when you see these reductions in live racing and all over the place, which are necessary because we don't have enough horses, but it, right. it does make that, that ability to get new people out there a little more difficult. And, um, you know, some of the tracks that are still being really restrictive with the attendance, uh, you know, you just hope that... Yeah, we have them here in Florida, but yes, you're right. Other yeah. tracks across the country, it's a yeah. little different. But even if you ask me, all of your owners that you've had in the past, whether that's a $6,000 claimer at the top of the stretch that's coming on to take the lead, or if that's a state's winning horse that's coming on, the thrill is still the same. Well, those same people that you bring to that track one day, when they make a wager, whether it's a $2 bet, bet or whatever, when it hits the top of the lane and their number is there, it's going to give them that thrill. Once they get that thrill once, we're going to want it again and again, and they'll keep coming back. But if you never give them that opportunity, you're never going to have them. No, this is uh, this is definitely true, and uh, I appreciate you giving me some time today. Uh, any, any time. Believe me, I sit here and scream at my uh, phone all night long when I'm <laughs> listening to you trying to go to sleep. I know I'm always harassing you. Where is it? I want to hear the podcast because I want to hear what you had to say. You know, I, you know, there's so much negativity because nobody wants to make something positive. You know, and, and I was thinking that last night. I was like, man, I hate to be so negative, but man, some of the things that happen in this business just like it makes you. I don't have any hair, but you, you'd want to pull your hair out because yeah, it's like, go. man, how many times do, do do we have to make the same mistakes? And over um, and over. I mean, you know. what's going on in Mama? Here's the problem: they're looking at the jockeys like they're degenerates. We don't care what your opinion is. And you know what, Chad Just made a good point. Chad made a good point. Like this isn't like some new thing. This didn't just happen. <laughs> this this rule wasn't passed last week. This rule was passed nine ago. months ago. You know, they've had a long, long, long time to prepare for this. And, um, you know, we shouldn't be having these battles, uh, having these uh, these these threats done on the day of entries. I mean, this this should have been worked out a, a, a while ago. And I'm, I'm sure that there's been some behind-the-scenes stuff being done. But, you know, in the end, like, it's not my ass on the line. Yeah, And I feel bad for the owners and trainers there, too. I, I understand that they're yeah. in a tough spot, too. Um, you know, that's the place that they go for the summer. A lot of guys go from Gulfstream uh, back up there. So I, I know a lot of the, you know, Greg Sacco and Timmy Hills and yeah. Carvajal and Kelly Breen. And, and uh, you know, I, I know that, that that's their circuit. And uh, it's not so easy. Like for a jockey, it's a lot easier to pick up your, your tack and go somewhere else. I mean, hey, listen, you're still going to have to go somewhere else. Unless you're a, a top rider, you're going to have to struggle or, or, or scrape by or, you know, you might have to have built-in business. So it's not easy for them to do it, but it's easier for them to do it than it is to do it with 30 horses and 20 employees. Right. To talk but, about um, event, track the trail and head somewhere else. But there'll there'll be enough jockeys there. I, I'm confident they'll they'll find jockeys. There's there's enough jockeys out there that really aren't doing that good, that aren't riding that much. They're so, uh, you know, racing cards have got schedules got pared down. There's a lot of guys that aren't. And like I said, they may not be the guys you want, but there's going to be a jockey with a license there that's going to be available. Be I, I don't think you're going to see any horses have to be scratched because there was no jockeys. I I, no, I might I be so. I might be wrong, but. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. And well, because they're independent contractors and they're not going to all stick together. You know that, so do I. No, and they they got to worry about themselves. And honestly, the, the 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 beef isn't with Mammoth; it's with the Racing Commission. Mammoth is just you know the the, the you know the the unfortunate for them. They're they're the the locale that's that's having to deal with the you know the Racing Commission's yeah. uh, you know lack of foresight. So. To a point of that and racing, I'm I'm 100% on board with uh, with Barry. I do not bet Santa Anita. It doesn't even look like my horse is trying half the time. You know, uh, the hammer, Tommy Mesa said that about Woodbine. He said when they put the rules in with the whip restrictions, he goes, uh, you know, some jockeys rode differently than other jockeys. Um, but he goes, I had a hard time not thinking that these races look like they're, you know, not on the up and up. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there, but um, and I get that. And Barry said that early in the Santa Anita meet, and I, I don't honestly, 
I, I don't really pay all that much attention to uh, um, to racing in California that you know like I used to uh, because a lot of it's just uninteresting racing. It's just not that interesting. It's it's, it's you know. Worlds between the harness industry and the thoroughbred industry, the whip in the harness, the new rule in the harness has exposed a lot of drivers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of drivers, and I won't say names, but I want to, you know, I know that you're friends with a lot of them, but it has exposed a lot of drivers. And, you know, from a person that enjoys playing the Meadowlands, well, I enjoy to watch those good hands, too. And there's some good hands, and now they they're not getting beat by the guy that's out there uh, whipping an action from the half home. Yeah, and they, you know, the, with the with the harness horses, they weren't hitting the horses anyways; they were hitting the bikes. Right, they were hitting the bikes. So but you know, still, you just know. trying to, to to make noise. So yeah, you know, yeah, a li- little little, little different. No right, it's a, it's a little different when you're behind them than as opposed to when you're on top of them. On top of them, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's why I said Obama could be demolition derby. What yeah. good is that for the game? I, I know one thing. There's going to be a lot more eyes on those races Friday at Mammoth than there, oh, oh, than yeah. there ordinarily would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, let's face it. Paco was a little aggressive in golf this year. You know, just, just like. How about if he goes up there? Hey, it's just, just like the Preakness, uh, you know, the, the morbid curiosity of people <laughs> wanting to see a derby winner that was, you know, quote unquote drugged. Uh, I mean,. Uh, yeah. It's like when you drive by an accident on the highway, everybody takes a look. You know, it's like that's why well, that, traffic that, well, slows that, down. You know, the, the, the derby winner, that, that, that whole scenario with Baffert and all that stuff, it relates right back to what I said earlier. I don't care who you are in this game. If you're below a CEO, you're considered a degenerate. Baffert got above that level. He got above the, I'm not a degenerate, I'm Bob Baffert. Well, look what happens. I don't care the higher you are, the harder the fall. But no, I, I, and I have no care whether he's guilty, not guilty, or anything else. But having that as your spokesperson for the game was very bad. You need a professional sports person out there. You know, the NFL wouldn't do that. The NBA wouldn't do that. They would have somebody out there speaking for them and for the game. Instead, another black eye. You watch the Preakness. It was nothing but bad mouth and racing. And I said, here we go again. And that's what the, you know, you, you say it best all the time, and that is if you've got a stakes winner or a five-claimer, which one are you going to put your money on? Well, I got news for people that are in horse racing. Sports betting and casinos are a stakes winner. They have no responsibility. They have no nothing. With horse racing, it costs millions to keep the game going. And those people in the upper echelon that are buying these companies and buying the ADWs and everything else, they know what's coming down the road. I just wish that more and more horsemen jumped on board and realized we got to stick together. Yeah, it's yeah, it's re- it's yeah. one thing. It's what it, it is one thing that racing is really terrible at, and that's sticking together. So well, that's what they want. They want to pit each other against each other because divided, they can conquer you. But I can tell you now, if all the jockeys stuck together at Mammoth, they couldn't conquer them. They would rewrite the rule and open open up Mammoth in a different manner. But right. it won't happen, like you and I just said. You know that nobody's going to need a jockey. They'll find somebody. I'm overweight, so they ain't calling me. And, you, and you'll hit your head on top of the gate, so they ain't calling you. <laughs> yeah, if they can get me on a horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> They need, they need a crane to lower me down. But if you think about it and you look back to when we started this conversation about our days back at Saratoga Harness, how dead was the game back then? Yeah. It was dead. But guess what? It keeps going. If it would just get a little bit of a spark and lighten it up, you know, one firecracker, you know, a, a woodbine, a pompano. You know, how many people out there in the racing industry really know who Gabe Pruitt is? They should enough. all know him. They should all be on his phone. Every major track should be calling him. How did you do this? We want to do this. They probably don't even know who he is. And that's yep. the sad part right there. And that is the sad part. You're right about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go out here and you speak your mind and, you know, the, the podcasts you put out there are totally awesome and everything else. And 
But again, nobody up above is listening to it. Everybody at our level agrees 100%. But up above, they ain't meeting with guys like you and I. They're going to meet with their CEO. And they're, you know, they're going to live their lavish lifestyle. And, hey, NBC, what? Myra Betts, it's doing great. Look at the profits. You put TVG on. Next pick four in five minutes. Next pick five in five minutes. Why? Because you know what? I get rebates. They get rebates. Theirs are a lot bigger than mine. And believe me, they're a lot bigger when they're picks. And people can't figure out why do they only promote the uh, pick races. Hello? How much do you think they're making off of them? You know? And so let me just go throw up these four different horses in every race and tell somebody to go bet that ticket. Because we know damn well they ain't betting it. Yes, sir. That is the truth. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you giving us some time and uh, giving me a quick quick numerical update from the lakes. Uh, Yeah, well. Look, you know, I don't see it getting any better. That's the worst part. Once they're total open, where are they going to get, you know, unless some people sit there from Belmont, they can't win at Belmont. And then yeah, they're not going to win at Saratoga. I don't see it getting any better. It's it's tough. I, I really believe that the, 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 um, the COVID pandemic issue was a lot harder on our horse population than we know. And, uh, you know, naturally the lower end horses, the horses that would go to a Finger Lakes, um, are probably those that that uh, you know that were were taken out of training and maybe not put back in training and uh, right you know it's uh, it's a tough and and the purses are pretty good there this year they're higher because they didn't run very much last year and they had some extra purse money right um, so they've kind of bumped that up I think that's the same case in Colonial where they only ran five days and you know their purses look really good. Um, but I don't know that that'll be sustainable past right, this year. Now, so, but if you think about that enhanced the run, you would think it would enhance more horses. No, but I think it, the problem is that you know empty stalls they, can't they run. Don't have them. Empty stalls right. can't run, and uh, <laughs> I think there's there's more empty stalls out there than than uh, than than we know. And uh, yeah. you know, that's just a fact of life, and it's just yeah. another uh, you know another hurdle to clear in this uh, crazy business. But uh, I well, do appreciate your time and. Uh, you know, Re- somebody hears you. all your guys are, you know, all the guys are going to be jealous, Rico and Shawnee and all those guys. No, no, Rico and Shawnee Mack and all of them guys. I, I hear from Rico every day. Obviously. Rico said he wasn't available today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, he wasn't because he probably, oh, because uh, Sarah Taylor was running the Exactly. <laughs> and you, and you, yeah. definitely, and you yeah. probably definitely don't want Rico and I on together because, you know, uh, our phone calls every day are filled with, uh, a lot of vulgarity. Yeah, well, thankfully, I don't think we're, uh, I don't think we're covered by the, uh, the uh, what is it called, the FCC? Yeah, it's yeah F- no, FCC, right? Because I mean, I see you at some tangents you went off on. Well, I gave you a lot of credit because, believe me, I don't know where, you know, back in the day, those were, they would have been filled with a lot of f bombs. <laughs> People may not know that about us. <laughs> uh. You know, and every time I think about things like the days when you started, I remember when my my ex-wife was at uh, Saratoga and had her walking. That was due. A dozen uh, Allen come pulling in the parking lot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. And they're like, oh, you don't get it. Right. <laughs> and I'm uh, like, buddy, what are you kidding And, you know, that was when that was due was in his time. And I was expecting him to go nuts and, he just he didn't say a word. He just talked to you about something else, and on he went. You know, there's so many of them stories. You know, like the day that uh, you and I were up at a track, and um, the Ramsey sent some guy in with with, with tape measures. They were going around and they were measuring every horse and yeah. everything uh-huh. about them, and they were wrapping all around. I go, "What is it? Well, it's not a certain size." <laughs> what are you kidding me? You think it's a run? They can. It's an animal. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days, man. It was, you know, a lot of good days back in the day, you know. We traveled many roads, but... No, no doubt. We traveled many roads, but... No, no doubt. 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 No, no doubt
that you and I were the only two in there one night. We ran into each other, and it was a blizzard. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Nobody was there. <laughs> Who come, you're, you're in there, and I walked in, and I go, oh, my God. What are the chances? Yep, two to that generous. Here we are. Yes. Uh, we. Fit. You know, my, my logic was, well, it's snowing so much, nobody else will be on the road, so I'll be able to make it over to the OTV. And I couldn't go without gambling, so I had to be there. And, that, and that's when they didn't cancel. You know, that's when they didn't cancel. Nowadays, they... they right, now they cancel for everything. Yeah, then, yeah. yeah. That's what people don't realize. We never had to cancel cars. We tried to make it over to Suffolk one night, and uh, it was, a, I mean, when I say the worst blizzard of all time, and uh, we looked down, and there's this guy down below on the side of the road, and it looks like his car is off the road, so we stopped to see if he needed help. And... Uh, Rico says, do you have to go? He's all right. I yelled down, you okay? The guy yells, just get water. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Just get water. Man, I I remember driving to... uh... To Vernon Downs, I mean, like yeah. we used to have to go on the road <laughs> to bet races. It wasn't like it is now, where you can bet them on your phone. Like you had to, f- like, physically yeah. go places and sometimes a long ways. Listen, I drove every Friday and Saturday night to the Meadowlands and often by myself. And, I, and we, let's face it, back then we didn't exactly have the most luxurious cars. I mean, yeah. I remember Rico's exhaust falling off, and then he had it overheated, and I hope that he listens to this podcast, because he sends me into the woods, and he, all we hear is these wild dogs, and I come back with water, and I stole it somebody's, out of somebody's faucet, and uh, he goes, I thought the dogs got you, because I was, you know, it was quite wild before I got back, and he's like, oh, I could hear one of the dogs, and I thought the dogs attacked you, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, we got, we so many stories back then. It was just so awesome. Uh, I mean, and then you look back at the years of Johnny Brennan when he started calling Shawnee the Chiseler. The Chiseler. He was the Chiseler. <laughs> oh God, he was the worst. But yeah, I was talking about I was talking about him with my dad today, and um, about when he claimed the horse off of I think I think it was Dave Spagnola. And and they ran a twenty five hundred claimers and 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 Johnny's horse Brendan's horse won and Spagnolo's was second and they they claimed each other's horse and they ran them back in the same race the next week and 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 Brennan won that one too with and I remember him laughing at at him and saying I beat you with mine and I beat you with yours <laughs> twenty five hundred claimers man and we had such a good time like it just didn't like the purses were like twelve hundred dollars and yeah. You know, it wasn't about the, it wasn't really about the money, money. You know, and everybody was right. kind he was of living broke. in a trailer in Saratoga. You know? Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't living in a life of luxury. You know? no. it was just yeah, because I yeah I had hooked him up with the Prinzos, and Prinzos claimed a couple horses, and then he moved down to the Meadowlands and he shipped it down to the Meadowlands. And Johnny actually won one night with him down there. He paid like twenty five dollars, and uh, we had gone down, and yeah, that was a pretty good night. But Johnny was. He was the best. Yeah, people forget, man, how dedicated you had to be to make bets. How about the night me and Rico drove to Yonkers to see you, and then we went through that, like, it was condemned, the area you had us going through. <laughs> and we had to go upstairs, and we go to the upstairs, and we ran in, you know, we were going to see Johnny. He's sitting on a couch up there in some luxury suite. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I just risked my life to get here. Yeah, we, we had to go through the, they, they were taking out the asbestos. Right. And yeah, they were removing asbestos or something. It was just a total. People have no idea what we went through back in the days about the horses. (laughs) No. No. I. Pick up your phone and make a wager. Wanted to watch a replay on your phone. No. Yeah, we didn't even have replays back then. Exactly. I remember you get, getting to the OTB like early to try to watch the replays from the night before, you know, or the day before, because that was the only access you really had. And then you know, 100%. like you get cable, the Harvey Pack show would be on. But uh, I mean, that was it. I mean, you didn't have like, like if you had told us then what would be available now, right? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't have believed it. You wouldn't have believed no. it. And that's why I say the game needs to just latch on to everything else. And realize where it came from. Where it came from. I mean, we, we, it was bad. On, it was. It, it, they banked on me bringing you, or Rico bringing me, or me bringing Shawnee. You know what I mean? They banked on that. 
and they grew off of that. Yeah. And now it's oh the, the, the grandstand is empty anyway. Who needs it? Who cares? No, but you know what too is is we, is we made friends that you know lasted forever and and uh, I mean that's that grandma? that that's something that you don't get these days. You know, but if yeah. you don't go to the races, you don't interact with other guys and other people and. And you don't have the friends and and the people that you can right. uh, you know bounce stuff off of and talk about and uh, it's just uh, what was your you buddy's know? name that was always with you back then? Oh, what's went to school with you? I don't remember. He was always bad. He was crazy though. He was like you know. But that that doesn't narrow it down a lot. There's a lot of people yeah. I know that. <laughs> you know, it was your high school days though. Oh, uh, remember I remember the one kid, Steve Ruley. He he would he would bet. I mean, this was when we would make one hundred and seventy five dollars a week, and he would bet like three hundred to show on horses all the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's what was crazy. Yeah, he would. I, all, I that. He, he was like a he was like a mini bridge jumper. Yeah, and Shawnee Mac was the real one. <laughs> yeah, Shawnee Mac was the real one. Every every year, like last year, he didn't. But every year, he see he makes his way down to Florida at, at one point. Oh, Shawnee. Yep, every year. Yeah. Well, he um. You know, and he, well, he went off the deep end after he went jump. But the night before, I made that bet for him at the Meadowlands. Annihilator. Annihilator, you know, yeah. It was free money. Free money. I said, whatever you do, please don't go to Saratoga and bet this tomorrow. Just go put it right back in the bank. Sure enough, I'm sitting home. I saw the show prices I knew immediately. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Rico had put that bet in for him because he didn't like to make the bet himself. And uh, the next day, the Times Union did an article on the bridge jump right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. You know, you look back at it, we were crazy. How about uh, Cram? Jeff Cram. Yeah. You know, he passed away, but yep. I mean, there, there, there was another one that was bet an la- avid player there. Would, would, would bet his last dime. <laughs> and go home <laughs> and grab another piece of copper and go bring it to the to the pawn shop and come back and bet more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> his dad owned a roofing business and he was missing a lot of copper all the time. Yeah. True dedication, Famous. man. That was true dedication to the game. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, the game doesn't have that no more because it's got all internet people sitting home, you know, they'll get on Twitter and they'll, you know, I, I don't use Twitter for obvious reasons, but, um, they get on Twitter and they just want to blast one another when they have no idea what life was really like. Life, you know, the days of, you know, Harold Story used to sit at the Saratoga and tell me story after story. I love that man. Yeah. And uh, he won one race one night and he comes walking off the track. And I don't know how he knew me as Slimmer because of Rico, obviously, because Rico's family was from Argyle, right? Where yeah, well, that, that knew weighed about 90 pounds. Right, and, and yeah, I, I looked at 12 at, you know, 21, right. and uh, he comes over and he says, it's real easy when they paved the road for you like that one. <laughs> Animal House was the horse. <laughs> Animal House, yeah, that's right. Okay? That's right. And he gets off him and he comes over and he says, Slimmer, it was real yep. easy when they paved the road for you like that. Yeah, Animal House was a big closer and it was always in that feature every week. You know, so many stories. We could be talking for months and months and months on end about them. Yeah. But it was just, you know, anytime you need to, somebody to shoot the shit with, give me a call. You got it, and I appreciate you uh, you coming on. And uh, Yeah, you and Barry keep up the great work. Really appreciate it. You got it, man. And we'll, we'll, try, right, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get done a little earlier. Last night got a little crazy, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm up till two thirty in the morning. Listen. Oh, you're good then, man. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, brother. I'll talk, talk to you later. later. Yeah, bye. That was my friend Jim Terry. We've been friends uh, for an ungodly amount of years, but uh, you know, every once in a while, I think people need to hear from, um, you know, guys that are uh, that are are not invested in the game in any other way than 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 betting and and following it as a as a fan or a better and. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this and you have anything to say, um, I, I'll put you on. I mean, I I, I want to talk to you. I want to hear that side. I think that a lot of uh, a lot of the racing management and executives need to hear that. Maybe they won't do any good, but uh, 
the other side's view is important and uh, the customer's view is important and uh, this is probably the one time in racing's uh, history that that really the customer has a little bit more voice than they used to and that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of issues because there are but um you know just some of the ways that the jackpot bets have been beaten down a little bit and um you know that they've kind of some places have kind of gone back and 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 uh you know refocused uh, and and not uh you know not gone down the the jackpot way and uh, it, it is a little bit encouraging, and uh, like I said last night, I mean, last night I was just saying, hey, you know what, here's, we have problem A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, and you know, like, we're, we're we're creating new ones, like this whip rule, so. But I, I do want to thank Chad Summers for joining us uh, earlier, and uh, uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be tuning in on, on, on Friday and, and seeing what exactly happens at Monmouth Park. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh and hopefully it goes off without a hitch. And uh, I mean, I want Mama to have a good meet. I don't want Mama to have a bad meet. It's it's you know not just because the the racing board is uh, you know got their their head up their ass. It's that's not you know I, I don't want to see uh, the people of you know, Jersey racing. I, it's you know I spent a lot of years there and and uh, and I love that place. It's a, it's a really great place to 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 go in the summertime and a lot of a lot of great memories. So uh, I hope it all works out and. Uh, and but I also support the guys that decide that that they uh they'd rather not participate there either because uh you know sometimes you you just got to take a stand. Um but uh thanks everyone for listening and thank you of course for Casey and thank you Casey for the cookie. And uh we will uh we'll be back next week and uh focus on the Belmont. All right. See you guys later. Why, in the past decade, has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standard bred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA, Unlock, Bleeder Shield, and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Volante, 215-501-6880. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast.